0: The two are gathered Catholic podcast uh, with Father Rob Kroll and me, Jim Fellows. Father Rob, how you doing? Hey, Jim,
1: I'm doing pretty well. We're at the end of a week long spring break here at the seminary. So uh, I've had some days I just sniffed to Sniffed in the microphone. That was terrible. Oh, did I? I'm sorry. You did? No, oh, I did. did. Okay. I just
0: no. Then I just interrupted you. So you're That's just hard. in the middle of a week long. Uh, yeah, we just finished
1: something. a week long break, or well, technically it finishes tomorrow. So a lot of guys are coming back to the seminary today after having been either away on vacation or hanging out with their families. So uh, yeah, it's been a good week, and we're supposed to get up into the mid 50s uh, in a couple of days here in Milwaukee. So I don't know. I don't know what it's going to be like in your fair state of Minnesota but uh, spring is we definitely be on the way. We 60
0: today. Ooh, wow. Yeah. That's awesome. That's it's pretty exciting.
1: Mhm. <coughs> so, you were well? Are you well?
0: No, I'm fine. Okay. It, 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 things are things have been busy. It's fine, but it's good. It's busy is always good. Mm-hmm. Um, so but here's uh, so a couple things that are a little intriguing. Mm-hmm. Um, one, this has happened a few times, but this happened last week. We're, we're having this whole thing on baptism last week. That's our whole episode. Yep. And it's focused around um, priest, prophet, king. And I was like, you know, at, at first I was like, well, I thought we were talking about <laughs> but then you, you know, educated me on, you know, the whole priest-prophet-king thing is a, an integral part of that. But then you find an article in your archdiocesan paper, same week, on priest-prophet-king. Yeah, how about that? And then Father Mike Schmitz, uh, the host of the most popular podcast in the world, <laughs> um, talks about in one of the episodes, like the Wednesday's episode of uh, Daily Bible... Whatever that is, mm-hmm. um, and Bible I'm, in a know, year listen, is that it? Bible in a year, um, and and on I think on the Wednesday uh, podcast, um, he starts talking about uh, all of us as a priest, prophet, and king, and I'm like, that's really, wow, yeah, Father Rob's just like nailing it. Well. Like there's
1: something. I, I often will give Father on. Mike Schmitz, you know, my thoughts and my my words. I am kind of the ghostwriter for that podcast, <laughs> and the Archbishop of your diocese. <laughs> well, yeah, when I have time, I help him too. You know, I mean they they often rely on me for you know at least some nuggets of wisdom. But and so but now, I'd, see, now that I've that lost all the merit because I've 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 blown my cover. There is no more humility <laughs> here. But no, but you are right. It was kind of a neat um, coincidence or providential. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it was providence. but uh, Serendipity?
0: Serendipity, yeah. A confluence of events. Oh, that was
1: the word I was looking for earlier, It was confluence. Yeah, it didn't, didn't come to me. I like that. I like that's that. a good word. Mm-hmm.
0: So, yeah, that's, uh, if, you know, um, whether we like it or not, um, you know, between this and then, you know, like the whole St. Joseph thing, like, yeah. you know, we're kind of cutting edge, people. We are, yeah, we,
1: that's right. <laughs> <laughs> we, you heard it we, here first most of the time. We We are... <laughs>
0: cutting edge of Catholicism. <laughs> that sounds really strange. <laughs> anyway, there was a um, a little glitch uh,
1: with the upload last week where it stopped after twelve minutes. Just Yeah, just shy of 12 minutes, so we don't know quite what happened. But we're, we apologize, and we thank those of you who alerted us. I apologize. <laughs> that's my
0: job. Well, that's Yeah, okay. the guy who checks for quality control um, <laughs> has been sacked. Uh-huh. That was bad. Uh, yeah. That didn't work out well. No, I, I'll, honestly, I'll listen for, like, the first uh, three or four minutes, and then... Like, well, that seems good. And then I just, you know, walk look, yeah. Walk
1: away. I've heard it like three times already. Yeah, well, it's okay.
0: So um, for so folks, if you're listening, we're into four minutes. If it hasn't cut out, um, and you're still <laughs> listening to us, and if it if there are any problems with the episode um, You know, reach out to Father Rob or to me or, you know, send an email to mail at com, or come find us on Facebook mm-hmm. on our Our Gathered uh, Facebook page and
1: give us a heads up. We'd really appreciate it. Yeah, cause... that's what we found out about the last one. So <laughs> that's my friend Wendy, she, uh, she said, yikes, it cut out. So, yeah, no, we're grateful. We,
0: The the deep dark secret is that Father Rob does not listen to these podcasts when they're
1: done. That's not true. I just (laughs) don't get to them immediately. (laughs) Besides, I don't want to hear my voice again. (sighs) You don't want to hear my voice. I don't (laughs) blame you.
0: So, um, yeah. So yeah. Please, and then you know, go and like us on uh, Facebook or go like us on Apple uh, Mm -hmm. Podcasts, iTunes, whatever. That would be awesome because, uh, you know, we that, could use more helps, people. Right. It would be nice if more people would uh, – Father Rob goes and, and gets on a relevant radio and, and, and gives us a good pitch and, and things like that. And you, if you're on retreat, I'm sure that one of the topics is, uh, you know, you should come and listen to our podcast.
1: Is that, <laughs> uh, is that is that ever been a homily? You know, I, I'm going to work it in from now on. I, I actually uh, – <laughs> I'm going on a retreat at to Montreville at the end of this month, and I think uh, we're going to be able to see each other, it sounds like, when I'm up there, which is awesome. Oh, and, I'm going to be out of town. On, <laughs> I'm going to be leading a, a just, thing. Just as I'm <laughs> arriving, I'm sure. And, uh, and then the following Wednesday, the 31st, I'm on the Inner Life again, so I'll be sure to mention it, because it seemed like our listenership spiked a little Bumped bit. Bumped up a lot when yeah. you did
0: that. People like you. Oh... I, th- I think uh, I think this should be. I think you should offer this as penance in confession. <laughs> I'm not even sure a mass
1: murderer would deserve such a penance as listening <laughs> your, to our your podcast. But is to listen to two episodes uh, of Two Are Gathered." Yikes! Yeah, I like that. All right, that, oh. I, I oh, that, that, creative. that is creative. That is creative. Although it. Most penances are not unethical. meant to last 40 minutes or 45 minutes, but anyway, <laughs> seems,
0: we'll see. Seems like a
1: bad idea. Anyway, um, so what's our topic today, Father? What, what shall we talk about? Well, we thought we would banter a little bit about Eucharistic adoration because this is a an increasingly popular devotion in the Catholic Church. Um, there's always been—we uh, Catholics have always— adored the Eucharist. We believe, as a previous episode pointed out, we believe that um, at, at every Mass, the the bread and wine become the body and blood of Jesus Christ. And we have always maintained that that presence, that real presence of Jesus in the Eucharist, remains after Mass. It's not as if uh, when Mass is over, if there are extra hosts that they revert back to bread or anything like that. So that's why we can reserve or yeah, we use the word reserve, the the blessed sacrament, we call it, the consecrated hosts, we reserve them in a tabernacle, which is uh, usually an ornate um, kind of a a container or box that you find in a Catholic church, Um, and there's always a light burning uh, next to it or near it, a sanctuary lamp, uh, which burns 24-7 to let us know that the Eucharistic Jesus is reserved there in the tabernacle. So We've always adored Jesus in the Eucharist, but increasingly, uh, these days, uh, more and more parishes are establishing what we call perpetual adoration, uh, meaning that um, parishioners, Catholics, will come to the Church, and there's usually a separate little chapel that's set up so that they can spend time uh, before the exposed host. Uh, The host is put in another vessel that we call a monstrance, Monstrare, uh, meaning to show, so it's usually, it's often a, a round or cruciform-shaped um, vessel with glass in the front, and so we can put a, a larger host in there, and people can come in and and uh, and gaze upon that that. Eucharistic presence of Jesus. And so that's, we thought we'd talk about that today because both of us value this, and it is something that is becoming more popular among Catholics, although it's nothing new. Um, But uh, yeah, that's going to be our topic today. Sounds good. All right. Would you like to talk a little bit about your own experience of adoration? My personal history of uh, adoration? So
0: um, when I first moved out to Woodbury, I was calling around to churches to find out uh, where they were offering adoration. And the the church that I ended up joining, when I first approached them about that, they were like, you know, that's something that the older parishes do. Mm. And I was like, Well, that seems like was that a dog? Did I hear a dog barking? <laughs>
1: um, not on my end, but uh, Oh, maybe it was on my end.
0: <laughs> You're the one that, <laughs> that makes sense. So I have dogs. So <laughs> Um But when and, and I, st- I still joined the church, and then years later, they actually started adoration up. And um, th- at the same time that they started adoration, and they only did it like one day a week uh, to begin with, and and and. But um, when they started adoration, um, it, honestly, like the the amount of people, there was a surge of new members mm-hmm. at the exact same time, and I total I tie it together. Mm-hmm. I, I think that one, uh, a cause one and absolute. Thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think it's a cause and effect thing. And um, I've, I've, uh, yeah, I've, I, I've never. This is my first time signing up for an hour, mm-hmm. and and just like this is your hour gym, and and you're going to be there, and so that's a whole new experience. Before I would just I'd go, and sometimes, and I don't think a lot of people understand this. If you go. And you only spend five minutes there, that's a good use of your five minutes. Mm-hmm. If that's your first experience going to adoration and you just go spend five, ten minutes there, nobody's judging you. Nobody's right. gonna be like, oh well, that's not a very holy person. You just left after ten minutes. Right. That's that in fact, I would say the opposite is is occurring. That that if your schedule is so busy, but you're still taking ten minutes out to spend time with our Lord. Um, I think that's fantastic. It I, is. I think that's uh, sh- your priorities are in the right place. Yep, yep. But it's a good way to start with adoration because it's it's a uh, um, it's not something that we talk about a lot as a uh, as a as a faith. Mm-hmm. I mean. You know, you get together with uh, people within the church, or you don't hear a lot of homilies. But I mean, I'm sure you're probably it,
1: <laughs> no. Actually, now that you mention it, I don't mention. I, I talk about the Eucharist, but I don't often uh, mention specifically Eucharistic adoration. So um, you've given me a challenge. Now I can try to find ways to talk about it more. Um, yeah, no, and and I know here at the seminary we have Eucharistic adoration almost every weekday, uh early in the morning, uh from five forty-five AM to six forty-five A.M. before our seven AM uh morning prayer and then seven fifteen Mass. And and not everybody, but a lot of the seminarians come down in the morning uh to spend that hour uh at adoration. <clears throat> and then Mondays and Wednesdays we also we also have another hour available in the afternoon. Uh, before evening prayer. And, um, you know, again, I I think it's something that's getting increasingly popular. One of the priests on staff, who I think has been ordained a decade now, um, he told me that when he was in the seminary, like 15 years ago, they only had adoration one day a week. And so I, I know when I joined the Jesuits in 1987, like at that time, adoration wasn't very common. And it was kind of even looked at, I would say, with a little bit of suspicion. Um, you know, it's like the Eucharist is meant to be consumed at Mass. It meant, it's, you know, we 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 feast on Jesus. Well, what's this idea of putting him in a monstrance and, like, gazing upon him and adoring him that way? But I think, as you've mentioned, Jim, it, it's uh, people are just finding it really nourishing for their faith. And I think, um, you know, to the extent that we believe that Jesus wants to incarnate himself today in in that host he wants us to be able to sit before him and 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 really just gaze upon him i mean obviously we're gazing with eyes of faith um we don't see uh you know his we don't see his presence it's hidden beneath the veil of the of the appearance of the bread but to know that he's right there that he's very close he's right in front of us and and we can just sit in his presence as we would with a good friend Um, it's really, it's really powerful. And when I, before I came to the seminary in 2018, I spent six years at Creighton Prep, our high school in Omaha, and I got actually adoration going uh, in the school. It was twice a week, and, uh, and it was all an online sign-up, but I had a large number of, mostly mothers, but some fathers, who, uh, mothers and fathers of prep students who would come in, and they'd do an hour. Uh, we did it throughout the school day, and and students would then begin coming by too, you know, like during lunch or when they had an off period, and, um, and it was, you know, it was kind of cool to, to really know that Jesus was being adored and worshipped right in the heart of our school, and it was available for anybody to come by, um, and, and, you know, so some students would come by, like you were saying, for maybe 10 or 15 minutes, not the whole period, but, but uh, there's something very refreshing about being in the presence of the Eucharistic Lord.
0: There's there's a mystery to adoration as to um, what what is the impact mm-hmm. of going and spending any time in, in, in front of our Lord.
1: Yeah, and, there, and, and there's a, ver- a variety of ways that we can approach adoration, too. Um, you know, let's say we do sign up for an hour once a week, uh, as many people do. And by the way, um, I know people have told me that Often, when they sign up for a middle of the night hour, you know going at two a m or four a m or something, and this might be you know a person who's retired or has more time available, um, that can be very powerful there's something about being in the presence of the Eucharist uh, in the middle of the night where there is more silence um, and and yeah, people have told me they just find that a very special part of their week. But you can do different things during that holy hour, too. It isn't as if you just have to, you know, stare stare at it. Right. I mean, people will pray the rosary, or they'll uh, pray some Lexio Divina with scripture. Uh, They might, uh, you know, do some good spiritual reading. Uh, But they might also bring, as you were suggesting, bring a list of petitions, bring things that are in their heart, and just talk, you know, just talk with the Lord the way you talk with a good friend. I mean, he's right there. And what I just find amazing, I mean, our God is so incredible, you know, um, to see Jesus or to see the Father in their their fullness and their glory would just be overwhelming for us, obviously. I mean, we couldn't handle... Uh, in this in in our present form, we couldn't handle seeing God in all of his glory, his naked glory and and so that's why he's so kind and gentle and that he comes to us in these kind of veiled and hidden ways I mean coming to us as a baby uh, coming to us you know as, as a man coming to us now in the form of the Eucharist you know what what appears to be just bread something so ordinary um, and yet you know he he hides himself there so that we can approach him and not be uh, terrified, and and but yeah, just love him. So I, I think the whole um, idea that God would hide Himself within this this substance of bread is just awesome. Uh, he he always adapts Himself kind of to our weak and fragile nature, you know, which is just says a lot about who God is and and how much He loves us. I mean, as much as we want to adore Him and love Him, it it you know our love can never match. Um, the degree to which God loves us. so
0: we've talked about um other things in the past that uh, that we do within the church that when 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 the dust settles, um you know, like following the Ten Commandments really works out well for us. Mm-hmm. and and you know, when we were talking about fasting, we fasting mm-hmm. really works out well for us. Um adoration works out well for us, too, but I think that. Uh, the larger benefit is that you are actually doing something uh, for Christ. Mm-hmm. You're you're keeping him company. You're yeah. you're, you're you're actively spending time um, with God, mm-hmm. and there's nothing in between the two of you. Right. Uh, and, and if you've got things that are on your heart, and you ask other people to pray for them, and pray, please pray for me um there's 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 no barriers between uh you and the Lord and adoration it's just the two of you right right even if there's 10 other people around there's still the it's just the two of you it's it's pretty the, you know when uh Jen and I went to Rome um and I that, um. Uh, we we were watching Jeopardy the other day, and okay. uh, one of the questions on Jeopardy was, um, "This this is the most famous street in Rome, and, uh, and and everyone who goes to Rome goes and visits the street, and they they put up the street, and I'm like, did we go to that? She goes, no. I'm like, well, why not? Oof. She goes, well, because there isn't a cathedral on that street, Jim. <laughs> <That's-> <laughs> 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 I'm like, oh. That's right. We we kind of went all Catholic on that trip. <laughs> <dress. laughs> so we 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 went to I don't know how many cathedrals there are in
1: Rome. Well, there'd we, only be technically there's only one cathedral because okay, right? That's but the, churches. But churches oh they gosh, look like yeah, cathedrals, yeah, right? Oh yeah, I mean, some of them. These are, are
0: just amazing churches, right, right? But I don't know. So I don't know how many churches are. Do you know how many churches there oh, are? Oh no, I have no idea. Well, there's a lot.
1: Tons. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We, they say in Milwaukee there's a bar and a church on every block, which isn't te- technically true, but it probably is true in Rome. I mean, there's, there's tons of uh, churches. There's tons yeah. of churches. In and America. many of them, like you said, are historical and beautiful. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: But um, and, and one of the churches, and don't ask me which one because I don't remember. It was a beautiful church, but they were offering adoration while we were there. And so I went into adoration and spent, I didn't spend a whole hour there, but I spent about 20 minutes. And so I'm in this beautiful, gorgeous church that's, I don't know how old it is, mm-hmm. but it's really old and it's really ornate and it's absolutely breathtaking. And I'm, I'm sitting in adoration. And you know what the difference is between adoration in uh, uh, one of these churches in Rome and adoration <laughs> here in Woodbury is?
1: <laughs> I don't.
0: There is no difference. There is no I difference. Felt no yeah. difference whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And if anything affirmed adoration for me, was the fact that I felt the exact same mm-hmm. uh, no matter where I go and celebrate ad- adoration, wherever I go and, and be a witness to this. Yeah.
1: Yeah. No, it's true that we can go anywhere in the world and it's the same Jesus, it's the same uh, gift of the Eucharist. And that's one of the neat things, you know, with the word Catholic, like, the small word, small c, Catholic, means universal. And so the, that's one of the neat things about our faith is that uh, basically in every continent and in every country, uh, you'll find uh, the Eucharist, you know, in a tabernacle, and you'll find it uh, also exposed in adoration. And So, uh, you know, you mentioned a minute ago you quoted um, uh, Mother Teresa or St. Teresa of Calcutta About how um, you know when we look at the crucifix, we know how much Jesus loved us then, and when we look at the sacred host now, we know how much Jesus loves us now. And um, a really another kind of neat Eucharistic uh, adoration quote that I really like comes from one of our more popular saints, uh, the Little Flower, Saint Therese of Lisieux, and she once said that heaven is for me, or heaven for me, is hidden in a little host where Jesus, my spouse, is veiled for love. I go to that divine furnace to draw out life, and there my sweet Savior listens to me night and day. So it's kind of a neat reminder, you know, that in that little host um, is Jesus Christ himself, and it's all done for us out of love, and that he's like listening, you know. We we were talking about gazing upon him with our eyes, but but also when we speak to him, you know, we, we I mean, he's always listening to us, but when we're right in front of him in the Eucharist, there is a more tangible way in which I think we appreciate that he's listening to us as well as, um, you know, shedding his light upon us. Often, not all of them, but often the the, uh, monstrances are in the shape of a kind of a circle, and they have, if they're gold, if they're made out of metal, they have like rays emanating from the host, and so it always reminds me of kind of the sun, you know, just as the you know, with the spring coming now, soon it'll be summer, just as the sun warms us and kind of tans us if we spend time in it, to sit in front of the host uh, at adoration, it's like, you know, we're kind of basking in this light of Christ, and, and these rays are emanating from his heart and just, uh, you know, kind of like covering us or reaching out to us. So so I think it just it's another way of bringing our faith um, as Catholics, uh, making it very tangible and real. I mean, we Catholics we love stuff. We love taking. You know, our churches are not bare um, and empty in terms of decor. You know, we have statues and we have images and our stained glass, and and so we are a, We our instinct as Catholics is always to like use God's good creation um, to make His presence more visible or more real, more tangible. And I think, again, the Eucharist is that, God himself saying, let me let me bring my presence into this ordinary stuff of bread and wine and transform it so that you can see me, you can even, you know, consume me in the Eucharist. Right. And uh, yeah, so adoration is kind of an extension of the Eucharist or of the Mass, too. It's It's related to the Mass. You know, it's not a substitute for Mass, but it's like, after you know, we can we can yeah we can continue to adore him in the Eucharist after Mass is over.
0: The the one thing that I've always been convinced of is that um, while while God is all powerful and, and omnipotent and all loving, um, God doesn't um, compete with uh, the other things in my life. Mm-hmm. If if there's something else that I give more importance to than God, and He's just like, all right, I'll just wait. Yeah, he's a gentleman. And, yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> <laughs> just, it's not. It's he's not. Uh, you know, demand. He's not demanding of right. my time. Right. But he's 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 always there, just waiting in the background. Mm-hmm. And the nice thing about adoration is, um, unless you bring an extraordinary amount of distractions in with you, mm-hmm. um, then then there's 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 uh, there's nothing that's competing uh, w- with God, mm-hmm. and you can just. I think that. Um, you know, now that I'm I'm signed up and I'm doing this, um, and I'm kind of excited that if this one hour and, and I'm doing this at one a.m. Oh, cool. I don't know if that's making the cut for <laughs> late night.
1: Oh, I'd say it's so. like oh, that's really cool I'm doing it <laughs> overnight, and it's like oh, cool, that's yeah. Fine.
0: But uh, and it's not been easy because I'm old, oh. but uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's, I'm not bragging or anything. But this is this is the first time that I've signed up for you know, it, it, this is my hour. I'm going to be there. And I was trying to find a quote for today and I can't, I couldn't, but, um, it was, it was, I don't know who said this. Um, but they said, if people truly understood what was waiting in the tabernacle, what was waiting in the monstrance, there would be, um, a, a line, um, going out the door for miles okay. and, and people would be, um, just waiting for, for hours and days just to spend yeah. a few minutes in front of our Lord.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's true. It's something that we don't, like, think about maybe as much as we should and what's really what, what's really real there. And granted, God also needs us to go about our daily life and, and live out, you know, the Eucharist uh, each and every day through our family life and our professional life and all of that. But Yes. Uh, it's the same with confession, too. You know, we've, we've talked about that in previous podcasts, that um, if, if people really knew what confession does in terms of wiping away our sins and restoring us to a state of grace, I mean, we, you know, the lines would be as long as they used to be, you know, if not longer. So, yeah, I think all these great treasures of our faith, we, we that's one of the reasons why we want to highlight them in these podcasts is so people can ponder what what really is happening and draw them draw people back to these fundamental uh realities.
0: And also, it's 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 something that is kind of a luxury for those of us in the western world. I mean, this is um and it's a luxury that that we don't I don't think we take enough advantage of. There's there's places around the globe that where Catholics are that may not have the ability to go mm. and spend time in adoration. Yeah. Or, or the means to spend time in adoration, yeah. and and uh, you know it's uh, it, it it kind of uh, gives a little bit more like responsibility. Like, yeah, well, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, well, and as for,
1: and as we talk, uh, the the Pope, our Holy Father, Pope Francis, is finishing up a four day visit to Iraq, where right, you know, the Christian community has been uh, decimated. Really, it's been persecuted by ISIS, and many Catholics have left uh, Iraq to go elsewhere. So he's there partly to encourage them, and uh, I don't know precisely what you know what kind of adoration they might have in their in their cathedrals and uh, churches. But uh, your point is well taken that you know we live in a part of the world here in the West where it's available to us all the time. And I know in the Twin Cities, I don't know what the count is now, but when I was living up there in Demontreville, there were forty or fifty. Different parishes that had Eucharistic adoration, if not perpetual, at least for some hours every week. It's probably grown. So, yeah, we're we're very blessed, and I think we don't I want to take it for gone. granted.
0: I, I I hope that's an antiquated notion that it's just for older parishes. I really hope that's yeah. in the past. Yeah. The the other thing that and nobody nobody ever likes this when I bring this up. <laughs> um, but um, we just got done with the first Saturday. Um, that was yesterday, first Saturday of the month. And there is a, a process where um, one can do uh, reparations for the insults to the Blessed Mother um, by doing, like going to confession on the first Saturday and going to Mass and saying mm. a Rosary and doing this for, in reparation for, you know, the. Uh, the the blasphemies that have been uh, committed against her the insults that have been committed mm. against her around mm-hmm, the world mm-hmm. and we really kind of lose the idea of that we have a responsibility for reparations
1: yeah
0: um, you know when the when the 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 um, the sex scandal um, yep. the abuse scandal it, it rose its ugly head again mm-hmm. um the I was having conversations at, at the church that I belong to. And said so we need to, this makes me sound like anyway, uh, but I was having conversations with people about um, how we, how we, we needed to have an opportunity to do reparations for, um, uh, for, for those uh, that were abused. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, and their, their response was, and this was a response from like people who were active in the church. Well, I didn't do anything wrong. Why do I I need to make reparations? And it's like, well, you know, thank God Jesus didn't have the same attitude because we'd be screwed. Right. But there's, if reparations need to be done, and let's just take the sex scandal, um, the the priests that have committed these atrocities, maybe they're gonna do reparations, but probably not. Right. Um, there, I don't, I don't, I don't think that uh, a lot of them have the capacity to be able to do that. Yeah, yeah. And and but the the reparations still need to be done. We mm-hmm. still need to offer some sort of reparations. And going to adoration is a, a, a wonderful way to to you know that's that's a wonderful intent to bring to adoration. Right. I want to spend my time in adoration and reparation for um, the harm that's been caused. Um, to the people by people that they were supposed to trust yep. in the church, or d- reparation for the harm that's been caused to the
1: Blessed Mother, through, or, or, or you know things that have been desecrated. Yep, including um, I would add to that the Eucharist because there have right. there are there are groups that will actually like steal a consecrated host, like Satanists, and they'll they'll desecrate it. Or um, you know I've heard of other instances too where the the Eucharist is uh, treated very, very poorly. So that you know, even even that too would be a good intention to bring to adoration. Very good intention. I when
0: when I spend my hour, um, when I go in, I kind of, um, I actually like you know check the exits and the windows. And it's like okay, if if you know Satanists were to, yeah, you know break in through the window and try to steal the Eucharist, what would I do? Like, mm-hmm. how, could, how could I protect the Eucharist? Mm-hmm. If they were coming in? So I, I get this whole, like, uh, you know, game plan going on. And I've talked with friends of mine, and they're like, well, why does Jesus need you to defend him? And I'm like, well, you know, because I don't, I don't want to see the Eucharist desecrated."
1: Right, right. <laughs> you know, as you say that, I'm, having, I'm just having this image come to my mind of a, a scene from a, a powerful movie called Romero, with Raul Julia, who's now deceased, he died kind of young as an actor. this movie goes back to the eighties or 90s but he um, it's a movie about Archbishop Oscar Romero, who was assassinated while celebrating mass in El Salvador by some right. death death squads but there's a scene in there where um, some of these paramilitary you know people have taken over a Catholic church and the Eucharist is still in the Church, but because they've taken it over and are treating the Church as kind of just a place to hang out, smoke their cigarettes, you know, totally um, not treating it with respect, he goes in to get the Eucharist, which is in a, in a tabernacle in the Church, and he wants to leave with it. Well, he goes, he goes up to the altar and uh, genuflex, and then um, they start, like, abusing him and ridiculing him And they actually start then firing their weapons above his head. They're not trying to kill him then, but they uh, fire these weapons above the head. And and the Eucharist, uh, which he's getting out of the tabernacle in a ciborium, one of those uh, kind of metal containers uh, in which we put it, uh, it it falls. And all these hosts are now on the ground. And so you see... um, uh, Archbishop Romero on his knees, literally, you know, picking up the hosts and, and trying to collect them and take them with him out of the church so that it, so that they can be properly uh, stored and, and reverenced. But that image is, it was, a, it was one of the more powerful scenes of this movie because here's this man who is uh, so in love with the Eucharist that he's willing to kind of risk being shot. By going into the Church and getting the Eucharist out. So again, um, I think, you know, we we can talk a lot about, kind of on an intellectual level, and we should, a catechetical level, about the meaning of the Eucharist, but I think it's often when when we see a person praying before the monstrance, or when we see the scene in the movie of Archbishop Romero, you know, and we see when we, or the quotes that you and I have already mentioned from some of these wonderful saints in our tradition, I mean, I think those can stir us um, to a deeper faith. Uh, we don't, You know, nobody can fully understand or grasp how God can actually be contained in a, a small amount of bread or whatever. You know, that's kind of mind-blowing. But the fact that so many people today and always have found incredible inspiration and nourishment in this and that people's lives are really changed by being in adoration regularly, like, that to me is— more powerful evidence, you know. So.
0: Well, when, when uh, I think this is probably one of your
1: favorite cathedrals,
0: the Notre Dame, yeah. um, you've been there a
1: few times. I have, although, you know, tragically, of course, it's been largely destroyed now because of a fire, but yeah. It's, right, but yeah. the
0: fire, if you, I don't know if you knew this, mm. you probably did because you're smart, but um, <laughs> when the fire occurred, um, one of the first things that... Um, People did was to go in and save the tabernacle.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure.
0: Like they, 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 they risked their lives, right,
1: going into the flames.
0: To, and that was my first thought. It's like I wonder if anybody's taking care of the tabernacle. Right. I mean, that's it.
1: the most. There's a lot of obviously a lot of sacred, heart, um, right. sacred art, and you know things that go back to the Middle Ages in this church. But but of all the things in that church, obviously, yeah, the Eucharist is by far the most valuable. So yeah,
0: it's very. I moving. mean, if if we're wrong. If you and I are wrong about, you know, uh, Christ and mm. of being in the in the Eucharist, yeah. then this is a huge waste of time. It
1: is. And we're just, we're really silly. It's foolish what we're it's doing. A, it's,
0: a, it's a ridiculous thing. And, and, you know, if the Protestants are right and we're wrong, then, you know, we're, we're going to look silly. But if we're right, and I think we are, um, I think that this is probably um, one of the best uses of my time. Mm-hmm. And I'm just kind of getting uh, a glimpse of, of, of what that really means. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. and I, don't, you know, I don't think that makes people who go to adoration any more superior to the people who don't go to adoration. But I think that you know, there's plenty of room for a lot of people to come to adoration. Right, right. And I think that the things in the world can, can change just from I've, – I've, I've, I've been uh, – I consulted with churches who were like losing money. Mm-hmm. And they were they were getting ready to go uh, go bankrupt and close their doors, and and like the first thing I tell them is, do you guys have adoration? Nope, don't have adoration. we we'll start adoration, and and that's that's your first step. And and I think that there's a direct connection between the churches coming back to life and people spending time in adoration. Mm-hmm. I think the two are absolutely connected.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I would support that and. And, you know, if heaven is really uh, communion with the Blessed Trinity and all the saints, and if heaven is really, like, our, we're going to be gazing on God, as it were, for all eternity, you can talk about both the Mass and Eucharistic adoration as kind of the closest approximation to heaven that we can have on this earth. I mean, if, if like you said, what we believe as Catholics is really true, then, you know, not that we're called to obviously sit in front of the tabernacle or, or in front of a monstrance, um, for uh, all day and night, but that time is very, very privileged and special because what we're doing during it, it, it's kind of what we're created for, and it and it's the closest on this earth that we can get to anticipate what's what's our, right. yeah what we're going to experience in heaven. So
0: and, and people who have like you know I've tried to gently encourage to go to adoration. They're like you know I can spend time with Jesus anytime anywhere. Yeah, I'm like well that's true. You can. Yeah. Just like, you know, you don't necessarily have to go to confession to to say you're sorry to God. You don't need to do that. But mm-hmm. it helps. And sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, having the sacrament isn't is a necessary thing. But we're not we've covered that already. Right. But my the point that I make to him is I can call my best friend on the phone, and that's fine, and that's a lot of fun. And I can do that pretty much anytime I want. But guess what? When I actually spend time with him, physically spend time with that person. Yeah. It's so much better.
1: Right. Yep. Yep. It's it's really about nourishing a friendship, a personal friendship with, with Jesus. And so if he's present, if he's you know incarnating himself in that post, I mean why not spend time just being well, I mean, with
0: him? Yeah, and I like your point of uh you know, he doesn't stop it doesn't stop being Eucharist after Mass. It doesn't right. revert
1: back. No, it's like, well, you know what? That's a really good point. <laughs> right, right. Good
0: job, Father. All
1: right. All right. Well, what do you think? What do you think? I, I think, think we okay. I think we've
0: done pretty well. Yeah, that's all right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Give us some feedback, people. We would love feedback. I know it's not a Catholic thing to do, but gosh, we would love <laughs> feedback. We do. Mail at com. our Facebook page, um, Tour Gathered on Facebook. Um, just uh, come and throw, or, you know, if you're listening to us on Podbean, your, or or Spotify or I don't know, just figure give us find a out. shout out. Yeah, just do, give us a shout out and tell us what, what you think. Yeah. All well, right. Do we have something that we like this week?
1: Well, we do. I thought I would want I wanted to make a little plug for an organization that is near and dear to my heart. It's called the Institute for Priestly Formation, uh, IPF, and it was founded. Uh, in 1995, so last year they celebrated their silver anniversary, and um, in the 25, well now almost 26 years that it's been around, um, it's been offering programs for about 3,000 seminarians and over 700 priests, and basically the IPF exists to, uh, to promote spirituality uh, among seminarians and priests, they have a variety of programs. They're kind of most, um, I think the most well known one is a summer program of about eight or nine weeks where they bring together hundreds of seminarians to Creighton University's campus. They offer those seminarians uh, an eight day retreat and then some classes and some formation. Um, they also, the seminarians also go out and do some work in the community, but it's, uh, it's a wonderful summer. I've, I've helped out. There myself, uh, and have gone back. I'm going to be going back to help direct the eight-day retreat this summer, and I just wanted to alert people to it because I think um, it's a wonderful service to the church. Uh, I know that our seminarians from Milwaukee here at St. Francis de Sales spend uh, that summer as part of their formation. Uh, one one summer they go out to IPF, and um, so it was kind of neat too. It was founded by. Um, uh, A a number of people that came together and collaborated. A couple of Jesuits, Father John Horn and Father George Ashenbrenner, and then uh, Kathy Canavy, who is a a consecrated virgin, and Father Rich Gabuzda, uh, who is a diocesan priest. So you have these people from different kind of charisms and vocations coming together to found this. Uh, Father Brian Welter is the new executive director, and Father Jim Rafferty is uh, heavily involved as one of the uh, main. Uh, formators as well. So, they probably um, listen to our podcast. I don't know if they don't, they <laughs> should, of course. Maybe I'll alert them to it. <laughs> okay. But, uh, yeah, so I just wanted to, and they've got, you can go to their website, uh, org and find out a lot more information about them. And they have, um, they have gear like every organization, you know, you can buy some, uh, various products from them, or mostly, uh, you know, shirts and hats and things like that. But, um, but they're a great they're a great group, and I want to give them a little bit of notoriety, a little bit of, of press today, and um, yeah. So that's our stuff we like for this week.
0: And if you guys have, uh, and you guys are listening to us, and we re- we really appreciate the fact that you're listening to us. If you have an appreciation for anything, that uh, mostly with Feather Upsets because he's <laughs> the guy who's got the goods. Um, the <laughs> greatest way that you could show appreciation. Um, for the podcast, is to go um, visit these places. And, you know, it's mm-hmm. it, during Lent, if you have a uh, a desire to to reach out to other places that you have not other nonprofits and um, either pray for them or donate money or buy a hat, um, we'd really appreciate it. That would be great. Yeah.
1: Yep, indeed. Let's pray. Okay. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. So, Jesus, we thank you and praise you for this opportunity to reflect on your presence in the Eucharist and especially on the invitation to adore you uh, through Eucharistic adoration. We ask you to bless us as we uh, go through this week, Um, help us to have a deepened um, sense of your presence at Mass and in the Eucharist, and help us to live Eucharistic lives by uh, living a life of charity. During this season of Lent, we ask you to help us to turn away from any sinful patterns or habits in our life and to give our hearts and minds more fully to you, to your sacred heart. So may the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit descend upon all of our listeners and remain with them forever. Amen. Amen. All right. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jim. And we'll look forward to talking
0: next week. Yeah, we'll figure out something else to talk about. <laughs> all right. Thanks again, folks. Thanks for listening to us. If uh, And if you're going to adoration you want to say a prayer for this podcast, that'd be awesome. Yeah, hey, amen. All right, we will uh, talk to you. Everybody have a great week.
1: Stay safe, everybody. God bless. And we're out.